The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. the Academy Awards, that award show on television that gives awards for movies and stuff. That's coming up again, if you can believe that. And the reason I say that is because some of you may remember last year's Academy Awards when there was a couple of uh, uh, one actor and a comedian that were up there and uh, a man named, uh, an actor by the name of Will Smith ends up slapping or punching the comedian who's hosting it, uh, Chris Rock, and it happens live on stage in front of everyone to see as Chris Rock does when makes a joke that pertains to Will Smith's wife. Everybody looks on in, in, in utter surprise as the comedian Chris Rock looks so surprised when that happens. Later that evening, uh, Smith apologizes for his insane action to the Academy and to the other nominees, but he doesn't apologize to Chris Rock. Uh, later on, he does end up sending Chris Rock an apology, and he uses social media to do that, and then later on he uses YouTube to make a public apology to not just Chris Rock, but to everyone. Uh, about the incident that was that happened, and he and he and he tells Chris Rock. He says this. He says my behavior was unacceptable, and I am here whenever you're ready to talk. Now that to me is a cryptic, uh, a cryptic message. Uh, in, in that it, I don't know if it's an apology or not. In, in other words, he, he goes on to say that. He is pretty much over this incident. This is Will Smith talking. He's pretty much over this incident and is ready to move forward with his life. And he wants Chris Rock, who was punched or slapped, to go on with his life. So that is some type of an apology, I guess, in a very cryptic way. The comedian Chris Rock doesn't say anything about it for months. He doesn't respond to it or anything. He doesn't make a public statement. doesn't do anything until the other day. In a in a uh, in a televised co uh, show, a, a comic show, he, he refers to the incident rather briefly, but he does talk about it, and he says this. He says that the slap that Smith gave him was an act of displacement, shifting his anger from Smith's wife, who cheated on Smith and broadcasting that anger on to Chris Rock. That is uh, how he responds to the incident, the action, and the response to the incident involving both Rock and, and, and Smith. He's very secular, very secular. It is very worldly. And it, is, it was done in accordance to their worldview. 
to the way they look at the world. It was done in accordance to their philosophy of life, which is something that was ingrained in them by not just their family, but society, society in general. Uh, many people will refer to this as secularism, secularism. Secularism is the way that the world, in essence, the way humanity responds to things that happen in the world. In essence, secular, secularism says that humanity does not need God. It, it, secularism is defined by some as a system of doctrines and practices that disregard or reject any form of religion or worship. Its primary object is a total elimination of God and any type of spiritual faith or beliefs. That's what the definition of secularism. I'm sure you're familiar with that term or you've heard it. Now, many Christians who saw this incident take place react in many different ways. And you may have seen it take place. You may have thought, well, I would have done this or I would have done that in, in, in different ways. And many of the ways that we would have reacted to this is very secular, very secular. See, the question is, as a true Christian, what, was the, what would be the biblical response to an incident like this? What would be the biblical response to somebody going up there and just slapping you or punching you before thousands, millions? Well, you know, the Word of God is clear. We've, talk about, we've talked about this. The Word of God is clear. The Word calls us to forgive and to turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. That doesn't sit well with some of us. Some of us Christians, some of us who call ourselves Christians, it just doesn't seem right. I mean, when I say Christian, I mean someone who has received Christ as their Lord and Savior and proclaims Christ as their Lord and Savior. See, as a Christian, after we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are to submit to and be obedient to his word. Obedience to him, his divine word. Now, listen to this. Okay, There are many people who call themselves Christian and maybe true Christians who will hear the word of God and try to reshape it. They will try to listen to it and apply their own worldview to it, to try to make sense of it, to try to make it, make it fit into their worldview, to try to make it fit into their philosophy of life. You see, when we become Christian, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we come with a boatload of baggage especially if we're an adult when this happens. We come with 
some of our uh, presuppositions fully formed. This is how I would react to this. This is how my parents told me to do this. This is what I've seen other people do. This is what the world says we do. We, these are our pre, uh, presuppositions. And they're fully formed. And now you hear the gospel message of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. And you want that. And you believe that. And you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, that's what you have to do. You have to receive him as Lord as king, and you have to submit, submit, and be obedient to him. But what happens when we're grown is we, again, have our philosophies of life. We have our presuppositions. We have our worldview, and we hear the gospel message, and we want to reshape it. We want to, dare I say, distort it. Uh, we may not even realize we're distorting it, but we want to make it fit into how we think it should be rather than how God says it should be. That's the difficult part. We have a way of right and wrong, and we've developed that way all our lives, and now God is saying this is right and this is wrong. So we take that and we try to reshape it to fit how we think it should be. What is that? That's sin. That is sin. We are sinning against God. When we try to distort, twist out of shape the Word of God, and what He tells us is right and wrong, and call it evil good and good evil, we are committing a sin. But that's what happens to so many of us when we receive. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Again, some of us may not realize that we are sinning and we are subconsciously doing this. But we have done when we, when we reshape the gospel message, when we distort it, is that we've created an idol of ourselves. See, we are the final authority rather than God. We are idolizing ourselves. We believe that we are the final authority rather than God. God is the final authority, but we have distorted that. <clears throat> person that does this, this Christian, this so-called Christian, continues to distort his life. As he lives his life, he continues to distort his life. You may come to worship. You may be a part of a Bible study. He hears the word of God, and he distorts it to fit into how he or she thinks it should be. That couldn't be that way. That's impossible for today. It's impossible for us today to turn the other cheek and forgive and let it go. So what we continue to do is to distort the, the word of God, to distort the word of God, and to make it to, to make it be what we think it should be, rather than what God says it should be. This takes place all the time. It takes place with Christians. It takes place in our churches today. There are many churches that have watered down the gospel message. They have they have distorted God's word so that it will not be offensive to anyone. 
and so that it can fit in the twisted worldview of their congregation. And, that, and, and what they've done is they've made it so that no one has to submit to God. It's easy to be a Christian if you don't have to submit to him. It's harder to submit to God and walk in his way. Those that do this are just going through the motions. The Christians that are trying to live their life this way are just going through the motions. They're just doing religion. There is no true relationship with Christ in their lives. It, there has to be a true relationship with Christ in your life if you're a Christian. And there has to be, and in that relationship is the Lordship of Christ. And, and our obedience to his lordship, not to be saved, but because we are saved, because we belong to, to the kingdom of God. Those who, who distort the word of God and, and reshape it to fit their own worldview, when they come to worship, are going through the motions, they are doing religion, there's no relationship with Christ. When the world and our, and our society start falling apart and the political structure of our nation is, total, is in total disarray like it is today, and when there appears to be no hope whatsoever, Christians long for the day of the Lord. We long for the day of the Lord. And why do we do that? Well, we long for the day of the Lord because we know on that day, God is going to make everything right. And to see, you believe you're a Christian, but you're distorted his word. You think that he's going to make it right. But the problem is, you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong. The way you're living your life, you're in the wrong. The day of the Lord comes as the day of destiny when God will put everything right. And that is true. That's what's taking place in our passage today. The people of Amos' time are just going through the motions. They're just going through the motions of worship. They're just going through the motions of being religious. Listen, that's what's going on in our world today. That's what many people are. Uh, that's what many people are doing today. They're just going through the motions. They're, they're doing, and we've heard this before, they're checking the boxes. Okay, I'm a Christian, so I went to church. Okay, check that box. You know, the other day, I prayed. It was a quick prayer, but I was in a hurry, but I prayed. I checked that box right there. Oh, and, and Matt, you know, Pastor Manny talked about a Bible study and I really thought about going to it. So I checked that box. They're checking all the boxes. They're doing religion. They're, they're doing what they think they need to do. That's what the people of Amos' time were doing. They're checking the boxes. The people that check the boxes that are doing religion go to church sometimes. Or maybe they go all the time. And they, the people of 
the, the people that consider themselves Christians but are living life on their own terms tithe to the church. They give to the church or they don't give it all. Thinking somebody else is going to handle it, thinking it doesn't apply to them. See how that they reshaped it? They reshaped the word of God. Oh, yeah, tithing, yeah, that's in the Bible. You know, that doesn't apply to me. You know why? Because God knows I need my money. I need every penny I got because like, I'm barely making it. He knows I'm barely making it. So I'm going to pinch my pennies, and I'm going to let somebody else take care of that, that part of Scripture. By the way, while we're talking about tithing, God hits you where it hurts, right? See, the, for a lot of us, money is an idol. And they don't want to, uh, people, people in church don't want to hear sermons on tithing because that's their idol. They have put money up here. And, and they don't want to hear about how God says, I want all of you. 100% of who you are, not 99%. And you, some of us hold off. We give them everything but what? Our money, because we need our money. We don't have enough to make it. And God knows we don't have enough to make it. You know what? He does know you don't have enough to make it. But he wants that too. Why? Because that shows your commitment to him. And what happens when you give him right off the top? First and foremost, not starting with your money, everything else follows. First and foremost, everything else follows. First and foremost is Christ. Everything follows. What happens when that goes on? Well, everything else over here that you do in your life, you're going to have to make adjustments so that you can do that. And that's the way it needs to be. That's God sitting where he needs to be seated. He is not an idol. See, when you make these things more a higher priority than God, you've just made them an idol. Whatever it might be, they become idols to us. And by the way, our church, members of this church, St. Stephen's Chapel, as a member of our church, you're, you're, you're asked to tithe. You're asked to tithe to support our church. Where does God get, where does God get the resources to have a church? He sends a special a special what, a FedEx box that has a bunch of money from heaven? Is that what he does? No, he gets it from his people. That's how he has a church. People that realize that he is first and foremost, and they give. You know what that shows God? And I'm going to get off of tithing real quick, okay, because I kind of went off on it. But you know what it shows God when you tithe, that you show him first and foremost? Right off the top, it shows that you can handle things he blesses you with. And if you can handle the things that he has blessed you with, what is he going to do? He's going to bless you with more. He will bless you with more. But if you can't handle the things that he's given you, why should he give you any more? You can't handle what you got. That's idol. That's idol worship. That was what's going on in the, in the time of Amos. They were very affluent. Some of those guys at the time of Amos were very affluent. They had a lot of money. And you know what they thought because they had a lot of money? They thought that they were in God's favor. But they had created idols. They were idol worshipers. It was displeasing to God. They, were, they worshipped idols. 
The people of Amos' time were like us today. They talked the talk, but they wouldn't walk the walk. They knew what to say. They knew what it said, but they wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't walk in the way of the Lord. They were not guided by the Holy Spirit to walk with Christ, to walk in relationship with the Lord. They were doing religion. They were doing religion. The people of Amos' time were morally corrupt. They knew the right things to say. Have you ever met someone like that? They know the right things to say. Hey, they quote you scripture. But their lives don't reflect that they belong to Christ. And that's what was going on with the people of Amos' time in our passage. There was no love for God and nor obedience. There was no relationship with God. Oh, I, would, I just interviewed a couple of, of our members, uh, our members' children who are going to make their profession of faith next week. And if they got anything out of that interview, and it was obvious with me that they did, it is all about Jesus. It is all about him. It's all about him. When you get up in the morning, it's about him. When you go to sleep at night, it's about him. When you live your life, when you go through the day, it's about him. Glorifying him. It is all about him. It is all about Christ. But the people of Amos' time are like today. They were idol worshipers. They worshiped other gods. Uh, they, they had synchronicity. They, they synchronized other religions. What the people of Amos' time would do, they would worship other gods. They would take the good things that they liked from other gods, and uh, they would grab them, and they'd take things that they liked from another god, and their god, and would put it all together, only the things that they liked, and they disregarded everything else. They synchronized their religion. That's distorted scripture. That's how you distort scripture. They idolized themselves. They placed themselves in a position where only God could be. They're making the call. They're making the decision. They're, they're the ones who decide what they need to do in regards to the Lord. They worship their money. They worship their possessions. They worship activities. They worship a lot of things. Again, this is what's going on in our world today. There are people. There are people who pray to other gods, to angels, and other things because they feel that the Lord God Almighty is not listening to them when they pray. They feel that the Lord doesn't listen, so they're going to go somewhere else. That's idolatry. That goes on. That is happening today. There are many people who focus on themselves and give God the leftovers. The Lord God Almighty despises that. He despises that. He says he sent his prophet Amos to tell the people of that time and today, because we're looking at that passage, that he despises that behavior. That he will not accept their worship. He will not accept their sacrifices. He will not accept their prayers. He will not listen to their prayers. 
He will not even listen to their songs of praise, their pagan songs of praise. They detest, they're detestable to them. And, and that, again, is going on in, in Amos' time. It's going on today. We think we got it right, and we don't, because we're forgetting who it's about. And we don't want to, we, we don't want to, we don't want to take, to, to discomfort ourselves. We can only worship God on our, in our convenience when we're able to, when we think we can, when we need him. And everything, everything else is just whenever I got time, whenever I got time. God despises that. The Lord God Almighty makes it clear to people that do that. He makes this clear, God forbid, that he will rain justice on them. He makes it clear in our passage that people that do that, that he will rain justice on them. Now, that sounds pretty good, justice, hey. No, 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 we don't want justice. Because if God is just to us, he's going to condemn us because we're sinners. We want mercy. We want God's mercy, which comes to Jesus Christ, our Lord. We want mercy. We need to remember that we do want mercy. That's what our text is referring to when it says, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. The prophet Amos in our passage is warning the people of the day of the Lord, because they're wanting the day of the Lord. They feel that everything's gone, like, like today, that like everything's crazy. And we want God to come and set everything right. And Amos is telling them, and he's, as he's telling us, you don't want the day of the Lord the way you're acting, the way you're worshiping, worshiping him. You do not want the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord may not be what you think, and you may not be on the side that you think you're on. See, the day of the Lord will take place, the day of the Lord will take place in human history, in time and space. It will happen. It will be a day of darkness and judgment for some. It will be a day of rejoicing, of final salvation for others. The day of the Lord for all who are in Christ will be a glorious time of great celebration for ev uh, for everyone who's in Christ. It will be a, gr a glorious time of great celebration. Now, for everyone else, it will be a time of darkness and sorrow. That's what Scripture tells us. The critical issue of this text this evening is the day of the Lord that's coming. The day of the Lord is referred to in both the Old and the New Testament as a future event that will occur at the end of the age. It will occur when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead. The day of the Lord is a day when heaven and earth will pass away and the Lord will bring forth a new heaven and a new earth. It will be a day when the holy city of the new Jerusalem will come out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The bride is the church. The husband is Christ. The day of the Lord is not just a future event. It is a present reality for, for a Christian. We are called 
to live our lives ready for the return of Christ. And you, as a true Christian, are called to live your life ready for the day of the Lord, for his return, which could happen any time. So as we look at our passage today, what do you need to hear? How do you need to understand this? Well, you need to hear that not only is there a day of the Lord coming, there was also a day of hope that has happened, a day of hope. Today is the third Sunday of the season of Lent, the third Sunday of the season of Lent. It is a season when we reflect on the glorious work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, dying for our sins and his resurrection, overcoming sin and death. That's what we celebrate. That's what we reflect on during this season of Lent. The prophets of the Old Testament spoke of the day of the Lord as being a visitation from God. Isn't that beautiful? The day of the Lord is when God comes and visits humanity. Well, that has already happened once. That happened when Jesus came, when Jesus came into the world the first time. And it is spoken about when in the hymn, the, the, the Spirit-inspired hymn of Zacharias in, in Luke chapter 1, where he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, us. The day of visitation, the day of visitation. The New Testament refers to Jesus as the bishop of our souls, the bishop of our souls. The term bishop in the Greek means an overseer of our souls, overseeing our souls for salvation's sake. Jesus is the bishop incarnate. He is the bishop. He is God incarnate, incarnate, meaning he became flesh. And he has visited this world to change the course of history. He came into this world to change the course of history. The course of history, humanity fell. Everybody sinned. We all sinned. We're all going to be condemned. That's the course of history. That's where we're going. Condemnation. We're going to hell. We have a visitation from God, and he changes the course of history. How? On the cross. On the cross, he dies for our sin, and he takes our sin upon him. Past sin, present sin, and even future sin. Yes, future sin that we will commit and we will repent. Takes it upon himself, and he gives us what? His righteousness. That's how we get into heaven. And it is all confirmed in the resurrection. We see that what Christ said, what he lived, and what Scripture says is absolutely true. And it confirms that he is the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. He is the bishop incarnate. His Visitation the first time was cloaked in mystery. They didn't, we didn't understand who he was, what he was doing here. So many people against him. Only if you realize who he was, Christ came not as a military general to win the battles of, of this world against other generals and other kingdoms. He came as a babe, 
a baby born in a manger. Christ came to care for our souls. He came to see our situation, our broken situation. He came with divine blessing and redemption. He also came with a divine warning. A theologian and pastor R.T. Sproul says it well when he wrote this. This is what he wrote. Our bishop, Jesus, announced to the world that at, that at a future date, he would make a second visit, second visitation. For those who love his coming, his next visit, visit will be an occasion of unspeakable glory. You who are in Christ, when Christ comes again, when, he, when God gives us his second visitation, we, it's going to be a time of great, unspeakable glory. At, the, at that visit, the consummation of his bishop task will be complete. Now, for those who ignore his first visit when he came the first time, when Christ came the first time, the second visit will be one of utter disaster. Disaster. That will be the day of the Lord, the day that Amos described as a day of darkness with no light in it. Now, I'm going to return you back to the Academy Awards. I'm going to put you in the place of Chris Rock. Someone comes up to you and punches you in the face or strikes you in the face. Are you going to talk to talk or are you going to walk to walk? How are you going to react to that? Are you going to talk to talk? Oh, we're supposed to forgive. Or are you going to walk to walk and truly forgive and turn the other cheek? So here's the question for all of us today. Are you ready for the day of the Lord? Let us pray. Gracious Father, we do stop at that. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at stephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.